Are you ready to turbocharge your financial IQ? Hey friends, my name is Murray Miller and I want to welcome you and your family to the Family Business Podcast where every episode is designed to keep you focused and on track to live a life free of financial stress, worry and fear. Would you like to know the exact powerful money strategies that not only our immediate family has implemented, but also our extended family of thousands and thousands of people around the world? Well, then let's get on with it and let's begin building a financial wall around your family. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Very excited today to have Chelsea Miller back on the podcast. We are so excited to have you back, Chelsea, back on the East Coast right now. Here we are in mid-November, and today we are going to be talking about the financial strategies that successful millennials have implemented and some of the uh, some of the ups and downs that are taking place right now. What are some of the uh, challenges that are facing millennials? If you didn't hear our first podcast with Chelsea, we did. It was actually podcast number two. We are now on podcast number twenty something. So we're we're a few months into this now, and we're really kicking some butt. So we're real excited about that. And you'll hear Chelsea's background. She is a millennial woman. She's a businesswoman. She graduated top of her class, Babson College, the number one college for entrepreneurship in the world for 20 plus years. She's been involved in personal development. She's got a thriving network marketing business. She's got a big um, following on Instagram and she's just killing it. So welcome back to the podcast, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, this is going to be a really good one. So as we left off on the last podcast, we were talking about how you built your team and how you're continuing to build your team and how you've created a six-figure residual income. You've built an income-producing asset. And for those people that don't know what is residual income, how does that work? This is money that continues to come into you after the work has been done. So there are just a handful of places you can build income producing assets. We talk about this in our book, our ebook, which you can get online, the eight sources of residual income and network marketing is certainly one of them. So let's talk a little bit about the things that are slowing millennials down today, Chelsea. I know one of the things that we talk about all the time is student debt. Student debt is absolutely crippling. It's much higher than it was, of course, when the boomers were going through college. College has increased to an enormous extent just since the 1980s. I remember talking about top tier colleges that were 40 grand a year. Now we're looking at colleges that are $80,000 a year. You know, we're just 25 years later. It's just absolutely crazy how much the increase has taken place. Home prices are on the rise, probably 40%, almost 40% higher than when baby boomers were buying homes is what millennials are looking at. So these are some of the issues that you guys are facing. And Chelsea, talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you've seen that you've been able to combat with some of the strategies that you've been using out there financially. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting because I think millennials really got stuck in a transition of generations in literally how things used to be done to how they are now being done. So much has changed from the boomer generation to now 
my brother's generation, your son's generation, you know, Gen Z, like there is just so much has changed between the internet and how people think and work and operate. And I think the, the millennial generation, we got split down the middle. Half of us are following in our parents' footsteps, choosing their financial advice. And the other half of us are trying to innovate and move with the new trends. And I think that that's why we're seeing such a massive, um, gap in wealth that's happening in because they're saying that as a generation we are the least wealthiest generation to have ever come upon us and so some of the big things that I'm noticing a shift in and what I've done is the choice of business ownership over being a employee um, as well as property ownership versus home ownership uh, and and how we get into investments so you know, it's just talking about the first one that I said is business ownership, you know, with the dawn of the internet age, becoming a business owner has been much, much easier. The barriers to entry of financial, um, how much money you'd have to put into it, knowledge you would have to know, the, all those barriers to entry to being a business owner has changed. And if you've done any financial education, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you've probably done some, but one of my favorite financial you know, gurus is Robert Kiyosaki. And he talks about taxes and he talks about the cash flow quadrants. And if you've listened to anything from him, you know, the worst place to be from a tax position is an employee and you get really just reamed. If you are a high earning employee, you are going to be getting the most amount of money taken away from you. And so there has been a massive transition in people in my generation that are ahead of the curve that are, are choosing to create wealth for themselves, realizing this and, and going into business ownership where they can ev not, not evade taxes, but they can be smarter about the way in which they're getting taxed, even if it's just with a side hustle so they can write off a part of their apartment, their phone bill, their you know car payments, because if you have a side hustle on top of your um, actual job, you can actually use some of the things that you would be purchasing anyways as additional business expenses. That's absolutely true. Wow. You hit on a lot there. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Um, you talked about Robert Kiyosaki. One of the things that he preaches is that wealthy people don't pay as much in taxes, not because like you said, they evade taxes, which is illegal. They avoid paying taxes because the IRS gives us as small business owners deductions, credits, exclusions, exemptions that you don't have as an employee, as you pointed out. So what they do and what we've always been preaching is build an asset, build an asset. And then instead of taking a huge income from that asset, borrow against the asset at low interest and you will not have to pay taxes on debt. Debt is not taxable. So that's a very, very powerful strategy. And we could do a whole podcast episode just about that tax strategy in itself. And we may someday. Another thing that you touched on, very important point, uh, Bentley College did an exit interview of their graduating class a few years ago and asked them what would be the ultimate job. And believe it or not, two thirds of the graduating class said they would rather own their business. Over 65% would rather own a small business, have control of their future than go to work for someone else. So millennials by far are much more in tune with this. You also touched on three of the eight sources of residual income in just your opening statement. You talked about business ownership. And I don't care if you're a blue collar, whether you're a plumber, electrician, you know, carpenter, mechanic, or, or white collar, financial services, legal, accounting, consulting, coaching, 
all of those things, there are tremendous benefits to having your own business. Network marketing, probably one of the fastest growing segments, as you like to say, the kiddie pool of entrepreneurship, because there's very little risk and huge upside potential to build an income producing asset. And of course, real estate, real estate investing. And you made that clear that it's not just about home ownership, which by the way, home ownership for millennials is, is the all time lowest that we've seen in the last hundred years. They own, they don't own homes like, like happened in the past. A part of it, because what I said earlier, that for, it's a 40% higher increase for a millennial to try to own a home than it was for us boomers when we started out. And it's probably going to be worse for Gen Y and Gen Z, especially now that we're just coming out of this uh, pandemic and home prices are at an all time high. So that's another thing that we have to worry about. So, you know, there's just there's just a handful of places that you can go to build a future that is not going to strap you to a desk or to a cube that you have to be there every single day. And I think you, especially millennial women, are really embracing this. We see a lot of millennial women working from home and trying to build their future from home. Uh, where does that go from, from where it is right now, Chelsea? Where do you see that going? I mean, I think that women are it's so interesting because we have these trends happening, right? And, and it's like, it feels like it's been over a long period of time, but relatively it's a short period of time. Like going from my grandmother to me, we had women who were not in the workforce and they really didn't have to consider a lot of these options. Then we have in, you know, your generation, a lot of more women getting into the workforce. It's more split. And then you have my generation where it's like almost all of us are in the workforce. And in just that one, you know, life cycle, what you see happening is, is the women in my generation are starting to smarten up a little bit because what we're realizing is that our parents went to school, got an education, start building, building a career. And anyone knows that your twenties are your foundational years. And so you hit your thirties when you should be making stride and you have babies for the most part, for most of us, are you, and all of a sudden you need to be home because if you look at childcare compared to making an income, it, it's like, okay, well now I have to take 10 years, 15 years off. Maybe I can work part-time. Maybe I try to make it both work, but ultimately you're getting passed up for promotions, passed up for other stuff because you have a secondary role as mom at home. And so you have my generation, I think that saw this happen and want to be career women. Those of us who want to be career women are like, okay, well I get to start now in a career that I can boom in my thirties and forties and still get that opportunity while being at home with my children. So I, I believe that more women are, are smartening up and they're looking, okay, like, how am I going to be able to be home in 15 years? And I talked to them in their twenties a lot about this and they do tell me they're already thinking about it. You know, when I, I started in my career at 22 and it was something that I knew I wanted to be able to be home with my children in my thirties, I love network marketing would give me that opportunity. And so I would talk to other 20 young twenties, mid twenties, late 20 year olds. And they told me all the time they're concerned, you know, because they put all this energy and effort into a career that ultimately would either end up dying um, because of deciding to go home with their children, or they would fall behind the men that they were in competition with. Uh, and so I think that business ownership is becoming sexier and sexier, almost more so to women than men, because men who can go into the workforce and continue there without it being, you know, as needing to be home as much, if that's what they choose, um, the, there, you see so many women, if you are on social media, there is just so much of this boss, babe, woman empowerment, like 
taking over. And one last thing that I wanted to add to when you were speaking about what we were just talking about business ownership versus um, being an employee is really understanding the value of your salary. Because when I look at my income at the end of the year, if I, let's say I clear $100,000, it is not the same as clearing $100,000 at a job. Because at the end of the day, the value of that 100,000 at a traditional job might only be 65, 70K, but the value of my 100K might actually be 130 because of the way that my my taxes work out because of the write-offs and how much I actually get taxed on it. So really understanding what is the end value of my actual income, not just how much do I get to write on my W-2 or 1099. Absolutely love it. And no question, the IRS favors business owners over employees. That That's the way the tax code is set up. And having a side hustle, which is something we should probably talk about on this podcast, is 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 a way that even if you are an employee and you do love your job, which you're in a unique category because it's usually the opposite. But let's just say that's you. You love your job. You go to a job every day. You, you enjoy it. But you don't have the tax benefits you wish you had. There are two ways to get those tax benefits. Real estate investing is one and having a side hustle. Talk to me a little bit about a side hustle, but Chels, what, what do millennial women think about side hustles or millennials for that matter? Yeah. I mean, side hustle is a, is a funny term at this point because it used to be a smart idea that some people had where they would drive Uber or they would maybe get a second job on the weekends. And now it's become, well, what's yours? You know, everyone has one. And a lot of the, to me, you know, I actually don't have a side hustle because my, what most people would do is network marketing as their side hustle. It is my full-time, my full-time gig. But I, I question now I'm like, we're, what we're not asking people, we're asking everyone what their side hustle is. We're not asking them, why is your full-time gig not paying us enough to live in a world where we could actually afford, like you were saying, getting the high interest rates on the housing has gone up, being able to pay for it, rent has gone up, being able to pay for your student loans. Like we just live in a world now today that it's more expensive to live than we are able to earn in one career most of mm -hmm. the time. And mm -hmm. so side hustle has become a necessity. And so people are choosing it out of need where I think that the smart millennials are choosing it out of benefit. Like I was saying before, where they could choose, okay, I'm going to get a network marketing business because that can create write-offs for me. And I can actually reduce my expenses while increasing my income. And I actually talk to a lot of people where they, they say to me, they're like, oh, well, I really want to sign us, but I'm afraid it's going to put me in a different tax bracket. And I don't want to earn too much. And they're not even realizing that the, the, all the benefits that the right side hustle could actually bring you tax-wise. I agree. I agree. As a matter of fact, we're seeing so many people that get involved in side hustles that it eventually can become their full-time business and they can retire from it. As a matter of fact, when you talked about being at home and having that actually be more sexy than going to a job or, you know, or, or any of those things that are part of the traditional world, um, one of the things that your mother and I talked about when she started just absolutely crushing it in the network marketing business with Isogenics that we're with right now, she's like, Murray, she says, you're, you're working, you know, the better part of 60 hours every week, some weekends, 
um, you're out at night, you know, you're doing workshops. I was in the college funding business. I was building a team. I had a building. I had employees. I had partners. I had, you know, vendors. I had accountants and attorneys and all that stuff that goes along with traditional business. And she said, what if we can retire you from that? And you can sell that business and you can come with me and we can travel and we can go away for the winter. Now that we're empty nesters, we can do things. And that was extremely appealing to me. And it took me about three years to be able to unwind everything that I had going on and sell the business and retire from that type of business so that I could be involved in a, a world that was much more free. So it's not just millennials looking for that. Here's the example of a baby boomer that wanted to do the same thing. And I was able to do that now. I'm able to work the financial services business basically from a spare bedroom, set up an office and do virtual meetings with people and help people get started, which leads me to one of the topics that I know I wanted to touch with you is, is building an investment portfolio, starting to save early, building, putting something together so that you can compound. And uh, I know you, you and I have had these conversations and I've helped you get started with um, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies. We got you started with a, a very highly specialized life insurance policy to create a tax-free retirement income from that. And you've been doing such a great job just ticking away at that every single month, putting a little bit away. Where do you see that going? And, and how important is that to millennials and just, just you in general? Yeah, I mean, once you figure out the smartest way to earn the money, now you have to figure out the smartest way to invest the money and what to do with it. And so one, I mean, we, my generation more so than probably any generation before it is definitely inundated with the peer pressure of keeping up with the Joneses. We have social media just telling us, take that vacation to Italy. You need to be, you need to go to the Eiffel tower. You need this new purse. You need this, you need it, you need it, you need it. And so one, I'm seeing a lot of people spending what they're making and, and forgetting to invest because there's the peer pressure to look the part. Not No longer do you just need to look the part when you're at you know out and about. Now you need to look the part when you're at home and you need to showcase every single part of your lifestyle. That's one side of it. So now we need to figure out investing and then what to do with the money once you figure out, okay, I got to invest it. One thing that we talked about that I want to go back to is you know property ownership versus home ownership. And then the second being what we, you just mentioned is, you know, okay, what about stocks, bonds and life insurance and that stuff. And so I think where the biggest mistake I'm seeing a lot of millennials making is they're taking all their money and putting it into home ownership, mm. like all of it. Like there's nothing left for anything else, because as you said, at the beginning of this, of this podcast, you know, the prices on homes have skyrocketed. Being able to get a home, you need a large amount of cash, even if you're qualifying for certain programs and you're only putting down 3.5%, you know, you still need a decent size cash to put down. And then I'm seeing a lot of people who are like, okay, I want this house. This is going to be my investment. This is my investment thinking it's an investment, but truly we know it's not because it doesn't bring cash to you. Investments need to bring cash back to your pocket, but back in baby boomer years, like you were told, home ownership was a really smart investment, you know, put your cash somewhere. And then what I'm seeing a lot of people, because I my friends of mine and through social media, they end up going into massive credit card debt because they used all their savings on a down payment. Well, then guess what happens? The heater goes out. Your, your plumbing needs fixing. This needs happening. And you're actually going into debt 
caretaking for a home on top of the fact that like if you are renting some of the benefits of renting is that you don't you don't have all of those additional expenses now you have a massive piece of property that took up almost all your cash you saved up it's costing you year in and year out i mean dad you've owned how homes you know that homes are expensive mm-hmm. and it's bringing no capital to you so one of the number one things i think that smarter you know i don't want to say smarter but millennials who are choosing a different path are choosing property ownership over home ownership are actually choosing to rent longer and avoid the expenses that are going to it's going to incur to own a home because that's putting away too much capital and so they're choosing if they are ready for a real estate property they're choosing rental properties either duplexes or multifamilies in which they can live in one of the homes or they're choosing just straight up just buying a rental property and, and renting on their own and then what that allows for is one, that property gets to start paying itself off and you're bringing in money that you are now putting out. But on top of that is that you are able to spend it on your, your investment money in other places. Like we, you know, you helped me get set up at 23 years old. The first thing I did was my life insurance policy. And then it was going into stocks and then it was going into crypto. And I remember Robert Kiyosaki, I read his book, he has a very long book. I did the I did the audio book because it was just too long to read, but it was on investments. And one of the things he said that people they they mess up when they get into investments is they want to go the riskiest first because it's the sexiest, get a big swing and then work their way backwards. Oh, once I have all this capital from that big crypto, you know, I'm going to put $10,000 into crypto and I'm going to turn it into $100,000 and then I'll invest in all the other stuff. And I remember him saying, that's not a plan, that's a bet. <laughs> and he said, if you're going to do it correctly, start with the least risky and build your way. You can't afford it unless you've already bought the least risky options. And I took that to heart because I want I wanted financial security and freedom. And so you supported me in starting with a life insurance policy and then starting with stocks and I in in stocks that were not super risky and then going into crypto because I had extra cash um, where I'm finding a lot of millennials are saying, I have I have an extra two thousand dollars. Let's just throw it in and and not realizing they're just gambling. Like going to Vegas. Mm hmm going to Vegas for your investment. So the, you brought up some really, really good topics. Let's break it down a little bit. Um, so as you know, mom and I own two homes. Um, we paid off both mortgages, um, but that doesn't mean we don't have expenses. I mean, between um, taxes, maintenance, insurance, because we don't rent these properties, um, we and we're really not that interested in renting these properties at this particular point, may change in the future. But because of that, we're spending anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a year between all those things, each home just to just to keep them. So there's an expense whether you have a mortgage or not. And the mortgage obviously can be crushing if you're putting a small percentage down. So I believe, yes, real estate can be a super good investment um, as you're building a family, as you're building a future, but investing in real estate with multifamily properties with the tax benefits that has um, that may be something to explore even more. Now we've we've actually literally covered six of the eight topics that are in my um, ebook, the eight sources of residual income. The two that we didn't cover are affiliate marketing, which I guess you could you could lump in influencer marketing, which is huge today, obviously huge, and also uh, royalties, books, music, things like that, where you get paid over and over again for uh, you know sort of a subscription model. 
And that might include coaching uh, if you have a, a residual aspect to that. So um, there are a lot of millennials that are trying to get into that space or in that space. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that was probably the last segment that I would talk about is I don't know that most people know how much our economy is shifting right now. Like this will be the time we look back on and say, whoa, because what's happening is massive industries are being re-infrastructured, like the education industry, like the advertising, modeling, the marketing. I mean, these are massive industries that make up a huge portion of our GDP. And they are shifting. And the way in which they are shifting is that it used to be inaccessible to the average person to participate in these you know, economic structures. It used to be that it was, you had to have a degree or you had to have, you know, if let's talk about just the education industry, you know, if you wanted to be profiting from being an educator, you needed years and years of schooling. You need to go through the traditional routes. And most of the money that was being made was not through the professor or the teacher. It's through the institutions, right? Well, we have a massive shift happening where, less and less people are thinking about going down a traditional educational route and more and more people are investing their money into courses. And where I personally see the, the education industry shifting is, is that there will be certification programs for people that are in courses because we're going to need to have some regulation because as of right now, I can't tell you the amount of people that are just scamming you out there because there are, there are people who are telling you, oh, I've made X amount of dollars selling this. And then, you know, they're really not teaching you anything. They'll, they will come in, they will regulate. But what I'm noticing is now anyone has access to, like you said, that next type of income, which is creating courses, writing books, because we're realizing the $250,000 on education might not be the return on investment after all of the interest on it that we were really looking for. And we might be able to buy $30,000 worth of courses and be able to get the same outcome that we're looking for. The only thing left really is prestige. And will that come into play with certifications. I don't know. The other huge industry that shifted through social media is the marketing. I mean, there's so many industries included into this one, but ultimately the way in which we are selling things now. And it used to be that you needed a huge marketing agency. You needed to have videographers, photographers, modeling agents. You needed to, you needed to have all this stuff. Basically today, if I decide I want to make a million dollars a year being a model, I can be one now with my iPhone. And they're, they've just completely condensed and opened up the playing field where the masses have an opportunity to play and where billions of dollars were all going to the top. And anyone can get a piece of this pie now of the way in which we are selling. So, I mean, I think that smart millennials are taking advantage of the fact that if they are building out a personal brand, whether it is through you know, wanting to create a course on something that they're very knowledgeable on, or it's just simply through showing off their lifestyle and then partnering with something like if they're into travel, they're partnering with travel brands and so on and so forth. But the opportunity to bring in capital through social media right now is you're missing a huge opportunity if you're not taking at least some look into it. 
Wow, that was really great insight. And for those of you that want to follow Chelsea, um, I will put Chelsea's um, Instagram handle in the show notes. It's Chelsea Lauren underscore M. If you happen to be in a place that you can write it down right now, but it'll be in the show notes. And I will tell you that um, Chelsea, you're just a shining example of what is possible if you just focus you know, step back from the forest a little bit and look at the trees and see where it is that you want to go. What are your goals? What are your goals financially? That's what this podcast is all about on how we can achieve those things. And you are definitely on that path. I will say another thing is that your team, your network marketing team is just crushing it right now. I don't know how many of your your millennial women have qualified for an all expense paid trip um, to Mexico, which is going to be a blast for you guys. Um, but that's another thing about network marketing when you're with the right company and they're involved in, uh, you know, Chelsea and my wife, Susan, they're both involved with talking with corporate all the time as partnerships and on boards to help this company go to the next level and, and stay up to date on the things that need to be done and, and take advantage of all these things we talked about with affiliate and influencing and, and network marketing all combined to create a perpetual residual income that can continue. So you can do many other things in your life, whatever you can follow your other passions. It's just a great base to have. So with that, um, you know, any, any last words at parting words for this podcast? You know, if you are a millennial woman, just give yourself a round of applause for being here because we are in an unknown playing field. We really are. Everything is changing for us. The way we earn money, the way we spend money, the way we invest our money, what we want to do with our, our lives. Um, so much has changed in the last hundred years for women and, and also in the economy. And so don't get overwhelmed. Take it one step at a time. I cannot tell you that I have it all planned out and that I know exactly where I'm going to go with every financial move. I mean, I'm, I'm just learning the real estate side right now and I have meetings with mortgage people today. So, you know, just take it one step at a time and focus on the very first thing that you should be focused on is, am I earning my money the right way? Because if you're not earning it the best way possible, then maybe it's time to look at something, another way to add to your uh, portfolio. I love it. I love it. I think everyone needs to have a residual aspect to their income portfolio for sure. Chelsea, this has been a great episode. I know it'll be one of the most popular ones we have out there. So I'm excited to post it. I'll post it in, in uh, on our familybusiness.info website. I'll post it on YouTube. You'll probably see it on social. So we'll get it out there. And I am so looking forward to having Chelsea and her brother, Justin, my son, back home here for Thanksgiving holiday next week. So that's going to be a fun week. We're going to take lots of pictures. So you'll see them online and uh, we can't wait to uh, do the next podcast. Looking forward to that. See you soon. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the family business podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can join our growing family and begin implementing the success principles to building a financial wall around your family, you can go to the familybusiness.info forward slash call and you can schedule a call with us because we have saved a spot at the table for you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and the people that you care about. And we would love it if you would take a second to give us a five-star review to help future family members just like you find us. I leave you with this. In life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you believe, plan, and expect. Let's do this.